the sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota on June 2, 2013, based on 1 Kings 8, verses 22 and 23. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our hearts to call out to our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the first two verses of the second, of the first lesson, 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 22 and 23. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord, in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven, and said, O Lord, God of Israel, There is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below, you who keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints washed clean in the blood of our risen Savior. What an accomplishment. It had been the dream of his father for many years. In fact, his father had begun making the original plans and gathering the resources. But the project wasn't going to be begun during the lifetime of his father. It was in fact uh, four years after his death that the project began and the son carried it out. After seven years of labor, it was completed And just to give you an idea of the cost of this project, just one of the raw materials would today cost uh, over a hundred billion dollars. And so what an accomplishment on that day that it was completed. And I, of course, am talking about that temple that Solomon built. And yet as magnificent as that temple was, King Solomon, the son of David, did not build it for his glory. Rather, he built it for the glory of the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And so as glorious as Solomon's kingship was, and remember just how glorious, for even the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon and his glory, and she came to see if it were true and found that the reports didn't tell the half of it. As glorious As Solomon was in all his splendor, he knew that he himself was only a servant. And so, as we see him standing there before the altar of the Lord, standing in front of the people of Israel, the people of God, Solomon confesses that he is nothing more than a lowly servant. You heard the beginning of his dedicatory prayer earlier. And later on in that prayer, in another part of it, he makes it clear again that he is only a servant. He says to the Lord, The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. Solomon knew that he himself was only a servant. 
And so also, dear Christian friends, as we approach the Lord our God, we come to Him as lowly servants. For you see, He, He is the one who has redeemed us from slavery to sin so that we are His very own. We belong to Him. Through faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, you, dear Christian, are a servant of the Most High God. And so like Solomon, we too call out, Lord, hear your servant's prayer. That's the theme here this morning. Lord, hear your servant's prayer. Because you, Lord, you are faithful. And you, O Lord, are merciful. Those are the two parts. Solomon begins his prayer at the dedication of the temple this way. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who, whole, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. The Lord keeps his covenant. For you see, the Lord is faithful. Over a thousand years before the days of Solomon, the Lord had made his covenant with Abraham. He promised Abraham, I will make you a great nation. To your offspring I will give this land. And then 480 years before the building of the temple. So about 500 years or so after he first made that covenant with Abraham, the Lord kept it. He brought Abraham's offspring, the people of Israel, out of Egypt, rescuing them from slavery, and brought them to the land of Canaan, the land he had promised to Abraham. The Lord is faithful. He keeps his covenant and fulfills his promises. And Solomon, of course, had in mind a much more recent covenant the Lord had made. For you see, the Lord had promised King David, the father of Solomon, that although David would not be allowed to build the temple, his son would. And so now, as Solomon stands before that completed temple, it is obvious that once again the Lord has kept his covenant. He is faithful. And so Solomon's faith that saw how the Lord had kept his covenant to Abraham and to David, that same faith trusted that the Lord would keep his greatest promise, his new covenant, for you see, dear friends, the Lord had promised Abraham something much greater than a piece of land. The Lord had promised Abraham that all nations of the earth would be blessed through the Savior who would come from his family line. And the Lord had promised King David that from his family would come that Savior and he would reign forever and ever. And you, dear friends, you very well know how the Lord kept that covenant, don't you? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of Mary from the house and line of David. And as our risen and ascended King Jesus reigns forever and ever, his kingdom has no end. The Lord is faithful. He keeps his covenants and remembers his promises. And so, dear Christian friends, call out to him 
Lord, hear your servant's prayer. Yes, dear Christian friends, call out to him as lowly servants. Call out to him, even as Solomon did, knowing knowing our, our lowliness. For we are calling out to the Lord, who is God in heaven above and on earth below, as Solomon points out here. And what are we? We are his creatures, his fallen creatures, his rebellious creatures. How much we deserve him to utterly reject our prayers and and to reject us. But how great his covenant is. For you see, despite our sin, he nevertheless chose to make his covenant and he keeps his covenant. He is faithful The Son of God became the Son of Man. Became flesh and blood because that is what the Lord had promised. The Lord kept his covenant just as he had made it, promised it to Abraham and David and just as he has promised it to you when you were baptized. And as he continues to make that promise to you in the Lord's Supper, as he gives you his blood the seal of the new covenant. And so we call out to him as servants who are going to our Lord who is ready, willing, and able to help for we know that he is faithful because nothing, nothing can stop him from keeping his promises, from fulfilling his covenants because he is God in heaven above and on earth below. Nothing can stop him. All power belongs to him. His faithfulness will not fail. And yet how often are we slow to pray? Why is that? Do we at times think that our our praying won't do much good, so, so we need to take action instead? Or do we feel that maybe we're not going to really get the answer we were hoping for, so why bother praying? If so, remember, And ponder the Lord's faithfulness. For he has promised to answer our prayers just as a dear father answers the prayers of his dear children. For through faith in Jesus Christ, you, dear Christian, are a true child of God, baptized into his family. But as you well know, A child doesn't always get what they ask for when they go to mom or dad. And in the same way, the Lord doesn't always answer our prayers in the way that we were thinking of when we began to pray. For example, the Lord may answer us by saying, wait, for this is a time for you to learn patience and perseverance in prayer despite not getting what you want right away. Or he may answer by giving us an even more challenging situation because that is what we need for our spiritual growth at that time. Or through the gospel, he may give us the spiritual courage and strength to bear up even though he does not take away the feelings and desires that trouble us or the hardships and adversities that plague us. Or he may answer our prayer by leading us through the valley of the shadow of death and 
delivering us from every tear and sorrow of this earthly existence. Now, none of those may be what we were thinking of when we began praying. But do you see, dear Christians, how each and every one of those could well be the best answer under certain circumstances? We know that our Lord is faithful and he has promised us the best. And so in whatever way he answers our prayer, whatever the answer might be, faith looks at it and says that this must be what is best. For my Lord is faithful. And that is why we continue to call on him in prayer. Lord, hear your servant's prayer because you are faithful. And when we struggle with doubts about God's faithfulness, then, dear Christian friend, look at how he has already kept his greatest promise, his saving covenant. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up on the cross, punishing him in our place. And since he has done that, how much more won't he give us the best as we go to him in prayer? So call on the Lord, for he is faithful. Count on his faithfulness. But why, we might ask, why did he make these, this covenant in the first place? Was there something about, about uh, Abraham or David that, that the Lord thought he could make a deal with? Is there, why does he make his promises to us? Is there something we can offer him? And you know the answer, no, nothing, nothing at all. Why did he make his covenant? Well, listen again to those opening words from, the, from Solomon. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on earth below you who keep your covenant of love. Now, the word translated love is a special Hebrew word. It doesn't refer to that, that mutual two-sided love that we talk about when we say we love each other, that, that reciprocal relationship. Rather, this word is traditionally translated as mercy. And mercy, dear friends, is one-way love. It flows from the greater down to the person who is in need. Why did the Lord make his covenant? Because of his mercy. For you see, his covenant is a one-sided promise. He made his covenant because of his mercy, his love that flows down to you and to me, to all who are poor in spirit, burdened with our debt of sin, all who are beggars, who know that we have nothing to offer our God. His mercy saw the spiritual bankruptcy of the human race, including yours and mine, and reached down in pity by sending his Son. He became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich, spiritually rich, filled with the good news of his forgiveness. What mercy! And so, fellow beggars, fellow servants of the Lord, call out to him, as Solomon did, Lord, hear your servant's prayer. For you are merciful. Don't be slow to pray. 
thinking that your sins are too many, that the Lord wouldn't want to listen to someone like you. For you see, it is exactly to people like you and me, beggars, who know that we have nothing to offer Him, who see our spiritual poverty, who confess our debt of sin, who feel our own unworthiness and seeing nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. It is to beggars like you and me that his mercy reaches down to to lift you up. And so we call out to him, Lord, hear your servant's prayer. Hear because of your great mercy. Glorious King Solomon recognized himself as nothing more than a lowly servant. And so we also, dear friends, in that same lowliness, call out, Lord, hear your servant's prayer because you are faithful, because you are merciful. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.